This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hello, my cat loving friends. I'm really excited about today. We have Dr. Julie Bradford here. She works at the practice of goodvets.com, and there's so many things we want to ask her. You know, we talk about how important vets are. There's a vet shortage. We have to get frustrated with our vets. We want to talk about good vets and what they offer. And we want to dig a little into the information that every pet parent needs to know. You don't want to miss this. We'll be right back after this word from our very amazing sponsor. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to 19 Cats and Counting. I'm your co-host, Linda Hall. And before me is my beautiful blonde BFF, Rita Reimer. I always say she's buttering me up for something. I'll find out later what she wants. I'm just putting the compliments in a bank for when I need to cash. Ah, That makes sense. That makes sense. Well, I don't want to talk to you. I figured. Yeah. I want to talk to Dr. We got two blondes and a brunette. So let's bring our other blonde. (laughs) You're outnumbered, Linda. (laughs) Welcome, Julie. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So Good Vets works a little differently. Let's first start with Good Vets. They work a little differently than my average vet in town. Can you explain to me how that works and why that business model? Yeah. So the traditional model for veterinarians was, you know, you would work for an older vet for a few years. And then when they were ready to retire, you would buy their practice. And so we had smaller practices with one to two vets started getting a little bit bigger, but still owned by a local veterinarian. And in the past, I don't know, 10 years, that has somewhat shifted. And you'll see all of these corporations coming in and buying up these practices and being run by some, you know, suits. Some head somewhere (laughs) that is not in touch with what's going on in our lives, right? Yeah. And so this consolidation that you see is pretty common, but it's still, they're run by you know, people in a different town, not the local veterinarian. So Good Vets has a different model where it's it's a corporation, but it's also run at a local level by their veterinary partners. So people like me joined Good Vets and we actually buy in. So we have an ownership stake and then we become the medical directors for that city. That's so it's, it's a nice model where we get the support of a corporate group because we can offer better benefits for our employees. Right. They do our payroll and all of that. They help recruit. They do the marketing. I don't have to do that. I can focus on the medicine and my team. And then you can see more patients. 
yeah, because you're not in your office doing yeah. payroll. <laughs> yeah, so we know both worlds. <laughs> we know firsthand it's really hard to work on the business and in the business at the same time. Yeah, it is. Please. So that puts you where you want it, right? You didn't go into accounting when you graduated right. high school. You went into veterinary medicine. That's right. And with every job, I'm sure there's a lot of paperwork and junk that's like, this has nothing to do with why I'm doing this. But you found <laughs> a way to release some of that. So that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So there was something I read, a couple things on the goodvets.com website, everybody, goodvets.com. So one, it said healthy pets start with empowered veterinarians. I love that. How do you feel more empowered by this? How does that work? How does that help our cats? Yeah, the local control and the local ownership, I think, is really important. And um we really try to focus on mental health. So making sure <laughs> that our people are happy yes, and not um, overworked. And, you know, there's always going to be hard days, but we still want to make sure that everybody understands that they are um, appreciated on our team and, you know, the helping so much with mental health and because that is a problem in our profession. It really is. And yeah. I know so, veterinarians that work such long hours. There's a shortage of them. I know yeah. that uh, my local veterinarian, he's like the only game in town. And they went from being a five vet practice to a four vet practice. They can't attract another one to join. So they're all overworked. Why is the shortage? If you know, or what would be yeah. your guesstimation of why we're not churning vets out of school right now? Well, it's really, really hard to train a vet. It takes you know, you do your four years of undergrad and then at least four years after that in vet school, it's very, very difficult to get into vet school. So a lot of people actually have to do multiple years. They get masters in between. We just don't have very many spots. And that's partly because we didn't used to need as many veterinarians. I remember when I graduated 15 years ago, we were actually talking about a crisis of too many vets. Um, The way it happens. Yeah. But now we are seeing people are demanding better and better care for their pets. They're willing to do more and more for them. They're wanting their pets to be treated the same way that we treat humans. And that didn't always used to be the case, but now people are realizing that their their pet is part of their family. They want the best care possible. And so people are bringing their pets to the vet more often. And I think that's part of what's contributing to it. And then we just can't suddenly increase class sizes in our vet schools because Mm -hmm. there's so much training that goes into it. You can't just suddenly say, okay, we're going to have double the class size. So we're trying to catch up, but they're not turning out enough vets. And well, and I suspect that COVID pushed the envelope for anybody who was considering so. retirement. Like, oh, I don't it know, did. maybe another year. Nah, now's good. Yeah, I'm out I think that's true for sure. We did see a lot of people leave the profession during COVID and in the aftermath, not just in the, the veterinarians, but also the support staff. It's And then, you know, compensation is not, it has gotten a lot better since when I graduated 15 years ago for support staff and for veterinarians, but it still needs to get better, especially for support staff. We, we have to be able to pay them more. Oh yeah, it's true. About 20 years ago, I was considering becoming a vet tech and my veterinarian said, don't, you'll be way in debt. You'll never get out. It's like yeah. being a nurse's aide. You get all of the worst little stuff that's going to kill you eventually, and you get paid <laughs> like a babysitter, right? Like yeah. not paid what you're worth. Yeah. And I think I think that's a valid point because somebody recently pointed out to us that they are starting finally to raise the compensation mm-hmm. for our veterinarians, which is raising the cost to us. Obviously, it has to come from somewhere, and people are really complaining about the cost. And I will be the 
first one to complain, not to you, just to myself, <laughs> when, the, when the bill comes and like have the internal horror scream. But at least I understand the reasoning behind it. And we need our vets. So I'm willing to pay a little more if I have to, to keep my vets in place. Yeah. Well, and if you think about it, we are offering the same quality of care that we give to humans on the human side. And so we're mm-hmm. using the same equipment and the same medications and we're charging so much less than what like your insurance company pays for human medications so and just the amount of knowledge not just that veterinarians have um, but our technicians are nurses they do as much as a human nurse they know all of it is just they know so much it's it yeah, They're we were just so talking innocent. about that the other day. <laughs> we were just talking about that the other day. I think yeah. it was in chat because it was yeah. that technician week. And we were like, yes, these are nurses. They should be called nurses. You are a doctor. Yeah. You're a doctor of veterinary yeah. medicine. They are nurses of veterinary medicine, mm-hmm. right? It's yeah. Well, oftentimes they're the ones first looking at the cat or dog or animal, taking the vitals. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times they're the liaison between you and the doctor because he has to see so many more patients now with the shortage. They're yes. leaning heavier on the vet techs. Your veterinarian is not out there giving inoculations, right? The vet techs are doing that. And I don't want to fight the cat to stab them. But I had to laugh about what you said about pay because it years ago, I had a complete hysterectomy. And it was very soon after that, I had to spit cat. Yeah. And when I got the bill, I was like, it's I should have come procedure. here. Exactly. <laughs> I removed, I, I, they removed my ovaries, my uterus, my cervix. They took it all. You took it all in the cat. I think it might have yeah, cost I, a lot I, more I, just for anesthesia for you, Linda. <laughs> you're, you're a little bigger than an eight pound cat. I would have yeah. paid that difference because believe me, I still would have ended up singing a much prettier song. <laughs> I was, I told them like, I should have come here for my hysterectomy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just yeah. take it all. Like, you know what I'm noticing though, is that I'm having harder time getting uh, my pets in just for routine stuff, like even spay neuter. Mm-hmm. Um, the last couple I've had to spay neuter, I've had to wait weeks to get in where it used to be. I would call my vet and he'd say, oh yeah, come in Thursday. Yeah. And that, again, that's just the shortage of veterinarians, mm-hmm. especially with COVID when the people were working from home more, they would adopt all these pets, which was great. <laughs> the shelters were cleared out, but then they would sit at home with their pets. And then as soon as one sneezed, they would <laughs> bring them in. Yeah. Um, so I was true. about that. I had yeah. not. <laughs> well, remember, yeah. we started getting calls because people were like, my cat sleeps all the time. Is this normal? We're like, yeah, that's normal. You just weren't home to see it. Yeah, it always happened. And then when they went back to work, they called us and said, my cat's got separation anxiety and is losing their marbles. So I wanted to ask about a couple of the things that I want to go back to what you were saying and talk about compassion fatigue later. But you have urgent care, which I love. And what I love even more is you do virtual care. Yes, that's become a big deal in the veterinary world. And I think also because of the shortage, is that true? Yeah. So it sort of depends on what you are hoping for with the virtual care, because Mm -hmm. with humans, it's a lot easier. You can see your doctor and tell them your problems. Your cats can't do that. So there are limitations to virtual care and what we are able to do because the cat can't tell us where it hurts. So understanding that not every appointment is going to be able to be seen virtually. Oh, um, so I can't, you won't do Kismet's dental virtually then? Is <laughs> yeah, and he's, I, and I, he's getting close and I was thinking, oh, I could do this. Smart Alec. <laughs> I, I, I Forgive can't. Linda, she's in a weird mood today. 
<laughs> if if your boy so. cat has urinary problems and I need to make sure it's not blocked, I can't do that virtually. Sure. And I prefer, so in my clinics, we don't see pets virtually if it's their first visit because we do want to have had our hands on them at some point. Right. Um, that makes sense. But I, you know, I recently had somebody see me virtually because they themselves had COVID and so they didn't want to go out in public and it was something oh, that, that I could sense. do virtually. So that was really great well, for them to have that option. There are certain flea meds that you need a prescription for. There's, there's just, I was just going to say that. Yeah. Uh, last August, <clears throat> we could not find one of our cats. She didn't you, show up. For you dinner. make it sound like it was last year, August. And, it was just, oh, no, it's just a couple few months, months ago. ago. We found her, of course, hiding in the last place you ever look. And yes, she was dying and it was the oh. middle of the night. And I don't have access. I would have, look, I knew she was dying and I knew there was no coming back and I knew there was nothing anybody could do about it, but I needed to talk to a professional who would say, okay, here's where we're at. Here are your choices. Yeah. You know, it was just so rough. I think if I just would have been able to make that call and karma was feral, we referred to her as semi-feral by the time we did our work, but that was only in this house. She didn't get regular vet care. Good luck with that. There is no human way we could have taken yeah. that care. I have one I like that know. too. My home vet said she has to be okay because I can't touch her. Yeah. You better yeah. die at home, girlfriend, because there's no way. Now, when she did get, she did get to a point where I was able to put her in the carrier just because she was so bad. But that would have been a moment <laughs> when I really would have liked to talk to a professional, even if you really couldn't give me an answer. Sometimes it just helps yeah. to talk us through our feelings, right? Yeah. I had absolutely. Rita on the phone all night long that night. But <laughs> well, I've, I've done likewise to you. Right. Oh, yeah. We're each other's support system. Well, let's take a little break for our sponsor. When we come back, let's talk about a more cheerful subject, shall we? <laughs> we'll be right back. Molly, here's your dinner. <coughs> Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your Cat Tree Tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. And we're back with 19 Cats and Counting, my BFF Linda Hall and the awesome Dr. Julie at GoodVets.com. And we're going to change the subject to something a little more positive right now when you say that. (laughs) So I'm going to ask you a question. What is the one thing, you know, the human leaves and you're like, oh my gosh, I just a million times this happened. What is the one thing you really wish you could say to people, people or that they knew do. ahead of time or you wish they would do? I'm totally putting you on the spot here. Yeah. Oh, there's so many. So many. Yeah, I, I imagine. We are trying more and more with especially the kitten appointments when they come in to talk to them about how to positively transport their cat to the clinic so that 
when yes. the cats are older, they don't hate us so much. Uh, That's a big one for us too. So getting them to like them the to care. Do? Yeah. What yeah. is your advice to them then? So I like to have people, well, first of all, the carrier matters. So getting a good quality carrier that will easily open like where the top comes off is mm -hmm. ideal yes. because a lot of cats love to hide if they're nervous. And so they feel so much more safe if they can just hide in the bottom of the carrier. So if, if they want to do that, we can just take the back. So you have to <laughs> shove your hand in there. And try to, ever try to turn one over and, and dump them out. Yeah. No, they, they no. claw right into that plastic somehow. Or into your skin. Yeah, um, that too. <laughs> they can't, because we've seen a lot of carriers that are very old and the, they've, they have those screws that are rusted on there and you cannot take them apart. And then you try to dump the cat out and that's not good, fun for the yeah. cat. Um, it's not fun for our staff and it just makes them hate us even more. So next time they're going to be even more scared of us. So if we can take that carrier apart, they can stay in the bottom of it and we can do our exam in there. They have the familiar smells of home and they think that they're hiding. So the carrier matters, first of all. You want it to be not giant where they're going to be rolling around in it, but big enough for them to be able to kind of move. Keep it out in your house as part of the furniture so that they think this is just another item that's in my environment that's totally benign because what happens is when you it's time for the vet once a year you might bust out that carrier the cat knows what's happening and runs and it um, smells funny too because it's been probably yeah, in the attic in the garage yeah before so, taking the course we used to keep our carriers in the basement so i bring up this weird thing that smells like the basement and i'm like get in right <laughs> up yours i'm not yeah. doing it so yeah yeah and then there's also some pheromones that you can use if your cat is really scared. So one of the brands is called Feel Away, and that's just a nice comforting pheromone to them. And it comes as a plug-in. So if your cat could stand to use a pheromone regularly, the plug-ins are nice because that's all the time. But if it's just more for bringing the cat in, it comes as a spray. So you can just spray the carrier yes. like half an hour before you try to put them in it, put them in it, carry it like it's a very prized possession. Don't mm -hmm. just swing it yes. by the handle carry it underneath very gingerly so they're not bouncing all over the place when you put it in the car they say the best place is in the back seats down on the floor so that they're not on the seat where they can like bounce around so they don't so and so they don't see all possible. the traffic whipping by yeah I and then always, you can play soothing music in the car i always take the seat belt and I run the clip through the handle on the top and mm -hmm. then I put the lap belt around it. I mean, yeah. it's not the most secure thing in the world, but that thing definitely isn't going to fly through my front windshield when I slam on the brakes. Right. So that would be my goal in life. Yeah. And then we like when they're here, we like to give them treats, at least offer them. And we have pheromone diffusers in all of our exam rooms and we spray ourselves with the pheromone spray. And then, yeah, examine them where they want to be, if that's on the floor, if that's on a table, if it's on your lap. I think knowing the proper, like having a proper carrier, keeping it out, like those are things that I wish that all cat owners I love it. I love, it. Yeah. I love um, it. I always try to suggest to people that get one that opens from the top because it's made yeah. life so much easier. And like you said, leaving one out so that the cats can play in it and think of it mm -hmm. as a safe space. It's not a battle to get them into yeah. it anymore. Yeah. If your only memory of that object is going to the vet and having a speculum shoved up your hiney for a stool <laughs> sample, you're not going to want to get in it, I'm thinking. Yeah. But yeah. if you remember playing in it, sleeping in it, cuddling up on your fuzzy blanket in it, okay, we'll take yeah. our chances. Maybe it's not so bad. 
So now that I've lifted the mood, I want to bring it back down. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Compassion fatigue is a huge thing with animal workers. I read and I get the least of it because majority of what we do is behavior, but we still hear some things sometimes. Well, I went through it myself Hmm. because I used to volunteer with a rescue every weekend, the Petco adoptions when I lived in LA. And after a while, it just, it hurts your heart. It was a huge cat rescue, like 800 cats. So sometimes I would not see the same cats in a row. It was all who she could catch to bring to the adoption events. And yeah, it was getting pretty exhausting and heartbreaking. I I have so much respect for anybody that works in a shelter rescue sort of situation because I don't think I could do it. It seems really like I couldn't do it where they euthanize. That's what I was just going to say. My stepdaughter, Lizzie, loved our cats, all the animals really. And at one point she wanted to be a veterinarian and the girl's brilliant. She could do anything she wanted. And then she got to like, I don't think I could euthanize. Look, I know it's in their best interest. I know it's the right thing to do. I still don't think I can be the one yielding the need, right? Like it's that takes a lot. And yet, thank you for doing it. Because when we're all stuck in this situation and our cat is suffering, we definitely yeah. want you to do the deed. We it's necessary. It. Yes, for sure. It that's is. For, yeah. for the best of them. I yeah, I'm grateful to my vet for being yeah. able to handle and euthanasia it. is clearly very difficult, but I don't know that that's, that's probably not what causes all of this compassion, fatigue and burnout, because that is truly a gift that we can offer yes. our patients an end to their suffering that oh. it's terrible and it's very hard but it is it is a gift that we can offer so people do though what they're going through right like i feel sorry for every vet who's been in the room when i've lost an animal because i've become a weeping idiot and i'm like i'm sorry (laughs) we are too sometimes well more than once keeping it in than (laughs) yeah more than once my vets have cried with me so oh yeah it's hard on them too yeah what do you we think um, the, the contributor is to the compassion fatigue? Is it the abuse they see or just the hours or all of it? All of it. So we see difficult cases that we can't save no matter how hard we try. We see cases where we did a lot and we did our best and then the owners are not very appreciative, especially with comments online. Sometimes that can be really devastating, but we all try our hardest. We all do our best. So for some people to, it's a small minority of owners that are like this, but for every single one you get, it's just, it just kills you. Um, I know, I've, I've witnessed it in my vet's office and yeah. there's no reason for it. I'm always yeah. extra nice to all the staff and my veterinarians. I we really appreciate, appreciate them. that. <laughs> I send them chocolate at the holidays. Yeah. To- you know, thank just, you. Yes. yes, we love that. <laughs> yes, we love you and we don't want you to, I, you know, it's the hard stuff. Like I said, Rita and I have the least of it. But yes. we hear the story, you know, we'll ask, because that's important in behavior. Do you know anything about this cat's background? And then we're like, I'm sorry, I asked, please never tell me anything like that again. <laughs> Abuse, hoarding situations. Yeah. We had a couple cats and we had two cats in the same month that were rescued from hurricanes right, and, you know, right. separated from their family and moved to another Aww. state. And there's a lot of stuff. Owners um, set up it's... died and the animals get kicked out or put into shelters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's the stuff that gets me. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you see it. You see it too, Dr. Yeah, Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. It's also really hard when people just genuinely can't afford treatments. And it's really hard. We 
as veterinarians are notorious for giving away our services and we we want to do everything we can to help these pets it's just reality like we have to we have to charge because we have to pay our staff we have to keep yes. the lights on in our building it's exactly <laughs> but yeah my vet's generous when he can be because he knows i have 17 and you know what i do for a living so sometimes <laughs> i don't end up paying for some pills or some drugs or something but yeah i understand they've, they've got to make a living because i want them to still be there yeah well and they're your limitations too so we we are good friends with Peter Cohen, who's in, who's in the FIP Warriors. He's got Zen by Cat. So we've recently been educated to the fact that there is a cure for FIP, but you yeah. can't prescribe it, can you, doctor? Yeah. Are you guys even allowed to steer people towards FIP Warriors or anything? Um, I'm not sure about the legalities okay. of that. Okay, I, we were going to ask, because we were talking about that. That's what our chat was about last night. And we're like, of all the frustrating things, like, can you imagine as a human being going to your doctor and the doctor says... I got your results back. We're going to have to turn you over to hospice or terminal. And you're like, oh my gosh, there's nothing that can help me. Oh, oh no, there is. I just can't give it to you. <laughs> so go. <laughs> and so we said, you know, I wonder if they can even say, but you could uh, probably me, not, you know, uh, uh, yeah, I would think because it's not legal to administer this drug, but that has got to be one of the most frustrating things in the world as a doctor to know that you could cure a patient, but you're legally not allowed to, right? She probably can't say anything, Wanda, at this point. <laughs> so um, that would be note. Oh, are, there any last, are there any last things you would you'd like to say to our listeners, Dr. Julie, especially when it comes to getting your pets in for that necessary checkup? Just don't delay. As difficult as it might be to bring a cat to the vet, delaying it only makes it worse. So at least call the office and just talk about what's going on and see what mm -hmm. they say. Right. And I would encourage everybody to go to goodfats.com. Y'all are all over the place. Yeah, yeah you have one in Charlotte, which isn't far from me. Oh. And we know that these vets are vested, right? This is yes. your business. So you're taking an ownership over that, which only benefits us and our pets. Oh, yeah. I definitely think it makes a difference in how uh, the veterinarians get to operate if they don't have to be mired down in all the paperwork. Yeah. And micromanaged and yes all of you <laughs> yes well thank you for coming we so appreciate it dr julie thank you Go and check out goodbets.com for one year you and thank you linda as always for being my bff my ride or die my partner in crime oh. <gasps> did You're i stuck with crime? me <laughs> you weren't supposed to talk about that i told you i know and then, of course, Mark Winter for giving us the spot on Pet Life Radio. We are eternally <sighs> grateful. And don't forget, every day is Catter Day. We'll see you next time. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.